Hey guys, I'm Katie. And I am Dog the Bounty Hunter. What? This is Into the Strange. Hold on. Reverse. Why are you Dog the Bounty Hunter today? <laughs> I don't know. Where did that even come from? Because I posted the uh, the Watcher, the Ryan and Shane reel of them with a ghost emergency and Dog the Bounty I posted a Dog the Bounty Hunter sticker on it and it made me laugh. Okay. Well, anywho, that's not who you really are. Episode 13. We are... 13 weeks. Is that four? Four. That's three months and one week in. Three Boom. months and one week in. So. As we mentioned last week, we're adding two new segments this week. Yes, but. We have a little bit of thing. We have, we have some we things we need to talk about. We have some explaining to do. We have some things we need to talk about. So. Things are going to get kind of awkward here for a second. And things are going to get kind of uncomfortable and a little bit serious so we had a bit of controversy we had some controversy relating to our jeffrey dahmer episode last week i've received a couple comments and just obviously on our own page if you haven't seen our post about it the episode just like we always do and it was literally just jeffrey dahmer's mugshot that that's all it was nothing crazy it literally, it's not like we posted one of his murders. Or it was anything. literally just a picture of one, his mugshot, just for as the, as the post for the you know, episode release. And within maybe ten hours of posting that, we received because you know I run all the social media, so I received on my phone. I mean, I can, I don't even remember how many. A lot. It, it was a lot of Jeffrey Dahmer like fan pages. And like Jeffrey Dahmer supporters that were commenting, you know, that he's just like misunderstood and that, you know, I clicked on because I was confused for us. I was like, what, what is this? And I click on the, some of these profiles and they're like bios were saying that he's like sexy, you know, it was like people who like defend him that he like, they pretty much like, I received a few comments pretty much saying like that he did what he had to do. And like just random things like that. So I, I was like, okay, um, I don't want to have to go through every time I get a notification through Instagram and like, re you know, read these things. So I just deleted the entire post. So obviously Jeffrey Dahmer is a bit of a hot take right now, but pretty much the best way to explain, uh, what, what that posts brought in i don't what are our dogs doing they're doing laps okay okay but anyways i uh they do this from time to time when they get that little energy burst they're just like Ch -ch 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 -ch. so i i found i knew this was a thing and this is the, exactly what that post dealt with and I've, for obvious reasons we deleted it because we do not condone any of that activity on this show like Everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't know. We're all we're people. We're just not supporters. In we're not that supporters way. of that. So the word I found, because there is a word for it, I didn't know it until I looked it up. Pretty much what we dealt with for about ten hours before I decided to pull the plug on that picture on our Instagram page, a stupid picture on our Instagram page. I also removed it from TikTok, even though we didn't receive anything, but I didn't even want to, even want to take a chance. And the word is hybristophilia. Have you heard this word before? I have not until you just okay. read. Well, this is the sexual interest and attraction to those who commit crimes. So is, this is like when a criminal's in like prison and then all of a sudden these fans are like, yes. I want to marry you. It, it, it's a paraphilia in which sexual arousal, facilitation, and attainment of orgasm 
are responsive to and contingent upon being with a partner known to have committed a crime. So essentially it's people who are attracted in a sexual way to uh, just like criminals and stuff. But yeah, that's that's what we dealt with last week. That's what you dealt that's with. What, you run social media. Oh, I know, I know. nothing. And that's that's <laughs> what I dealt with last week. And I woke. I, I heard about it, but I, I didn't see. Well, any I of woke it. up to to it, and I was like, okay. I mean, it was before we. Re- I was gonna. Le- I would have left it. Okay, I would have left it on our social media if it was just like those accounts liked it. But it was the comments that was like, okay, I'm not going to go through here and delete all this stuff. I'm not going to report all this stuff because this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not even going to take the time out of my day to do this. But I just want to clear the air on that. And I want to make sure that anyone listening knows that because it kind of looks like we catered towards that group of people. Because obviously in our Jeffrey Dahmer episode, we didn't shine a light on him. You know what I mean? So We shined a light on his victims. We put out what we think is going to be entertaining for anyone listening. Or even on social media. Or any awareness. any Anything. We decide what goes on our Instagram page and our, any social media we have. So the only reason why that was deleted was because... The way I looked at it is I don't post things every single day, especially during the week, because I do work a full-time job. And we don't live on social media. Yes. So the way I take that as, let's say I left some of that stuff, and that was the most recent post we had on our social media. So then some a new listener or a new group of people, uh, someone who just found our show, finds that and then clicks that picture... And then starts reading some of those comments, and then we get put into that demographic of people. So, the, like that is why I deleted that because I we as I stated we do not condone that activity. No, 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 no. So this will be the last. We're going to talk about it. We're going to move on. This is our happy news. We kind of out of nowhere, uh, just happenstance today. Gained a new follower. And it's an awesome one. So if you haven't heard of the Inhuman podcast, you should go listen to them. So Inhuman podcast followed us on Instagram today because I left a comment on their Jeffrey Dahmer reel about what happened with us. And I've been listening to them for about maybe a year now. A little over a year. Something like that. Every Monday and Thursday. I know their schedule when they really, they really around eight eight o'clock is when it usually hits Apple Podcasts. And I just I just wanna I just wanna thank Haley and Andrea. I feel like Inhuman Podcast is exactly what a true crime podcast needs to be. They're entertaining, you know, they crack jokes, but when it's time to talk about a serious case, they stay serious and they give you all the facts straightforward. Yeah, that's so, exactly how it should be. So go leave them a review. Go leave them five stars. Go follow them. We just go wanted, listen. We just wanted to say thank you to those two for following us because that was a bit of a shock, honestly. I was not expecting that whatsoever. I just I like that they're they're supporting other creators. That's very nice because that's what we're kind of setting out to do. That's kind of our mission here. I think that about sums up everything. Would you like to? jump into our two new segments which one are we doing first well i am gonna do the bone to be wild so we are going to start episode I li- I thir- like the story well, we, we haven't even said what we're talking about this week i want to talk about that after we do our segments okay so do you want to start with bone to be wild i would love to this is an amazing I really love the story it's okay okay Go. All right. Okay. So this week's Bone to be Wild. Man sentenced after police find a loaded gun in his buttocks during a strip search. Doesn't that just, when you hear that, doesn't that just make you? That, that 
piques my interest. Just a little curious <laughs> as to like, hmm, I really want to know the rest of no, this story. I mean, I don't want to know the rest of the story, but it definitely piques but my interest. I mean, just the title of it is like, yeah, I think I'm going to read this. Okay, so let's get into it. So a Louisiana man chose the cheekiest of places where he needed to find a quick hiding spot for his gun. Justin Savoy, 24, pled guilty Friday to weapon charges after police in the town of Golden Meadow, who were arresting him late last year on a separate matter, discovered he had stashed a loaded .25 caliber Titan pistol in his buttocks. Police had taken Savoy into custody on December 28th of 2019 after they responded to suspicious activity in a home he was occupying with a female acquaintance. Cops said they discovered Savoy possessed a handgun, marijuana, and drug paraphernalia during an initial search. Multiple of firearms were discovered in his truck at the scene. But Savoy was being strip searched after his arrest. Police reportedly found the additional surprise weapon concealed in his rear end. The pistol is more than four inches long with a 2.5 inch barrel. So what do you think about that one? That is just... He said, let me stick my gun up here. (laughs) You know what? God. I I think reading this, I think the only thing that comes to mind is like, Two things. One, why? And two, how in the world (laughs) did he get that whole thing in his butt? I just the the only thing the only okay the only question I have right now before we move on is what side do you think he started with? Do you think he started with the barrel or the handle? That's immediately where my mind went. Well, I definitely wouldn't want to start with the barrel. <laughs> I mean, if you accidentally yeah, pull that yeah, trigger, so that, that, I oh mean, my god, <gasps> you pull a cheddar bob. That is the, not gonna the be only, too good the, on the, your the, rear end. My my immediate thought is cheddar bob from Eight Mile. Remember him? Yeah, but and he then, shot his penis, right? Yeah, and then the other thought I had was in the interview. When they send the extra poison strips, and he has to put the the thingy up his butt the, to hide, the he said, "What does James Franco say?" He said, "They like do a quick pause." And he's like, "Why don't you stick it up your butt?" That's immediately what. No, that, he doesn't say why. He says you're gonna have to stick it up your butt. No, he said, "Why don't you stick it up your butt?" I know. Yes, he says that first, and then he moves on to, "Well, you're gonna have to stick it up your butt." He does. I promise you. Like there's no other option. There's no other option. But that's that's what I go to with that because I'm sure that's the voice that ran through his head. Like, I have a gun. You're gonna have to stick it up my butt. And I he I feel like legitimately since he got arrested. What, what was his plan? Why I don't why know. was he gonna stick it up his butt? Was he gonna take it with him he to put jail? It, he and... put it in his prison wallet. Was he gonna use it to that like escape ve- or like I don't, shoot guards? I don't know. The, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that like Maybe he had it on him when he was getting arrested or something. And he already had enough charges, so let's just not <laughs> but add I the feel firearm, like, too. I feel like he wouldn't have necessarily got charged if he would have just said, like, yo. I, I mean, they already found a whole bunch of weapons in his truck. Right, right, right. Okay. We had to do a quick pause there because our cat, Pumpkin, was being... Once again, he's on demon time. And he's being an absolute menace to society. He is getting into things. I don't even think he realizes what he's getting into. I don't know. Today, his thing has been, I want to hang out in the kitchen sink. I don't know. He's weird. Yes. So, do you want to get into our main topic this week? Yes. So, are we not doing the jerk lantern Are we going to do that We're doing that, that last. Oh, okay. My so, bad. this okay. week, we are talking about... We're doing, we're, we're not going to go, I mean, there honestly isn't like an extreme amount of detail on this. This. Um, we're also trying to keep it a little bit short yeah. since our last episode was literally two hours. We So we're not, there's not a whole lot of detail on this case necessarily. Like I mean, there is a lot, but 
there's a lot of conflicting reports on it because there's not like literally the identity of this person is not necessarily known. So this week, so our wait, main, we have a name. We have we have two names. Oh, we have two names. We have two names, but we honestly like no one truly knows which one is the true name of this woman. So this week we are going down a rabbit hole and that's not necessarily not a full-on rabbit hole but this week we are jumping into the swimming pool of possessions which is something we've never talked about and it's something that we've teetered like on the brink of should we or should we not no we sh- we should it's just there's one there's in particular one, that and, we will And you know not. what? There's And I've been thinking about doing it. Really? Yes. But I thought we talked about not doing it. So let me tell this story really fast. Let me tell this story real fast. So this case we're talking about this week is a popular one. But there's, a even, one. there's an even more popular one that pretty much everybody knows. And oh God! If you don't know that one, it's you've seriously been living under a rock. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm gonna keep my opinions to myself. But there, I have I have listened to the Time Suck episode with Dan Cummins on this case, and the Lights Out podcast with Josh from Mile Higher about this case. And after both times listening to that. Bad things have happened to me or in our household. So that story is the possession of Annalise Michelle. Yeah, the last time that you listened to that recording of all of that, our AC in our house yes. went out. So the first time I listened to it was a couple years ago, but it was back in 2020. You know, it was one of those things I was at work listening to, you know, I was listening, going through the whole catalog of Time Suck, and I came across that one because, you know, we're deep into the paranormal stuff. We believe in all that. And I listened to it and pretty much for from that night, because they played audio from her exorcisms. Which is terrifying. It's horrifying. I would not recommend looking it up from what I'm about to tell you. But I listened to it and that night, for it started that night and for about two, two and a half weeks... Every single night, I would have this dream where we would be in our room just asleep like normal. And in my dream, I would open my eyes and I would see Annalise Michelle standing at the edge of like standing not at the edge of our bed, but standing beside the bed on my side but she didn't look all like possessed and beat up like she does in most of her pictures. She looks like her. There's a picture of from her yearbook. She looks like that, just normal. And she's wearing like the typical like white nightgown, like typical possession movie. You know what I mean? And she looks totally normal. And in my dream, she would just stand there and just stare at me like wide eyes and just smile as big as she can, like teeth and everything. And it, it's absolutely horrifying if you picture it. Oh, my God. It's just like that smile movie. Yeah, pretty much. That's how she would smile at me. Ugh. And terrifying. and all of a sudden, right before I woke up, it would it would happen right as I'm about to wake up. And it would be one of those like you jolt yourself awake out of a nightmare she would turn and walk really fast out of our bedroom, like speed walk. And then I would wake up. And it that happened. I'm really glad I didn't have that night. And that happened every single night for about two and a half weeks. And then the second time I heard it, it was about, it was this year. It was just a couple months ago, remember? Yeah, that's the yeah. one where our AC Yeah, went I out. listened to the Lights Out one and they played the audio again because I was thinking like, okay, maybe that just spooked me. The audio just scared me. And that night, after I listened to that episode, our air conditioning in our house went out. Like our AC went out, Wi-Fi was acting weird. I know our electricity kind of like you know flickered on and off a couple times. Like we had a lot of problems. And see all that stuff, our AC going out, that went out on an absolutely horrible. Because it was day. ungodly hot. Because it was like ninety degrees outside. What I was saying is that. That was an absolutely 
horrible day because it was 90 degrees outside and our living room, we have like a patio. So like the sun was beating directly in, making it even hotter in here. It just was not a good time. Yes. So don't, please, I mean, at your own risk. If you listen to it, just be prepared. It's not our fault. We're almost 90% sure that there is something attached to that audio that is causing a lot of mischief. Yeah, it's horrifying. So if the you, nightmare if is you the worst listen one. to it, just please take precaution because I cannot tell you what could or could not happen when you finally finish it. Yeah. So the case we're actually to, I don't know if we're going to do Annalise Michelle. I ha- I'm really torn on that one. We- if we do talk about it, we will not be posting any of the audio for people no, to listen to. No. Like I but want nothing to do with that this, sound. This week we are covering the possession of Anna Eklund. And this is probably second in most popular demonic possession cases. Do I know this one? I'm sure you've heard it. It's not unlike any other reported possession case. So, Is there a movie based off of this one as there well? There is a movie, but it did not do very well. What is the movie? The Possession of Anna, or The Exorcism of Anna Eklund. I have not seen that. It's not very, so it is I, very bad ratings. I can almost 100% guarantee I have not seen it. It has very bad ratings. So, Anna Eklund... This is this is where things get a little confusing, because there are two names that come up when you look into this case. It's Anna Eklund or Emma Schmidt. I was gonna say I'm looking at the notes and I'm not seeing Anna Eklund. The but reason I am why Emma. The reason why is because people think that Emma Schmidt is the girl who was involved with this, but Anna Eklund is the uh, like alias used in the Catholic Church's report on this possession. Why didn't they just use her real name? Anonymous. Oh. So we're Emma Schmidt is it's I mean, I feel like her name, her real name is Emma Schmidt, but we're for sake of time and also just to keep things less confusing, we're just gonna call her Anna Eklund the whole time. Okay, so if I see Emma Schmidt, We're, Schmidt, Emma, it's Anna Eklund. I mean, you can read it, but that's that's why we might say two names here and there. Okay. So Emma Schmidt or Anna Eklund was born on in uh, was born in Milwaukee on March twenty third, eighteen eighty two. So this is an old case. This is a very old case. Oh my goodness. And raised in a Catholic household in Marathon, Wisconsin. This biography is problematic because it makes Emma the daughter of Edward Schmidt, contradicting both published and unpublished accounts of Emma's purported possession and exorcisms, which state that her father's name was Jacob. So right there, there's a lot of conflicting reports. If this information is correct, the true identity of Emma Schmidt, as per records found on Ancestry.com, may be Holda Emma Schmidt. Born July 3rd, 1882 in Thurgau, Switzerland to Jacob and Anna Schmidt. So there's a whole, it's across the world, conflicting reports. That's not even the same birthday. I know. There's a lot of misinformation and a lot, no one really knows who she is. You know, it's just an old case and it's been covered up and it's been hidden and bare, you know, it's, it's and just back then they didn't have the same ways to determine how we determine bodies well, now. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't even go back and do anything with this now because there's probably not that much there left. Okay. So that's horrible. So she may have been born in Switzerland because in the story, her father's name is Jacob. So Jacob and Anna Schmidt are her parents, who subsequently immigrated to Wisconsin in 1884. So they ended up moving these two, Jacob and Emma Schmidt, and their daughter, Holda Emma Schmidt, confirmed that it did happen. They moved to Wisconsin from Switzerland in 1884. See, that is so many dates because mm-hmm. it says her birthday was July 3rd of 1882, but then 
She was born in Milwaukee on March twenty yeah. third of eighteen eighty two, but they didn't even move until eighteen eighty four. I know. Wow, this this is so confusing. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this Emma Schmidt was one of nine children and died June twenty third, nineteen sixty four, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So well, we're old. we're gonna go off of. She was like eighty years. This old. is okay. We're gonna go off of the premise of. Um, this is the story we do not know. We, we weren't there. I kind of wish we were because we could get the facts, but we were not there. So until they invent time travel. Let's just picture ourselves with a <laughs> lot of question marks yes. around us. Okay? Yes. Cause yes. I, I'll be completely honest here. My brain is a little, it's getting ready to get better. Crisscross. It's getting ready to get better though, because now, now we're going to kind of get into just a little bit of um like like what happened a little bit of kind of how it started and just a just a tad more detail but this is a little bit more factual all right let's now get remember into though it. the your before you start it says german immigrants here so don't think don't get confused because i mean german people can live in switzerland yeah, I know. Okay, so I know that. Okay. So I wanted to clear up any confusion on I that. I may one. not have paid attention in history class, but I, I do know that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you didn't stop <laughs> and look at me like what what? No, it's okay. I got gotcha. you. So, according to Wisconsin birth records, both of Smith Schmidt's I can't speak today. Parents were German immigrants. Some sources contradict the narrative that she was raised in Marathon, Wisconsin. The unpublished is that Buns, yes, spelled kind of off. Manuscript states what Raisinger. Yeah, so right, I think it's Risinger. Risinger. His name comes up a lot. He is the uh, the exorcist that actually did these exorcisms on her. Oh, okay, okay. So this is what the research I found is. I know that Father Risinger is the exorcist that did the, the exorcisms. Okay, well, so the manuscript states that Risinger exercised Schmidt in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the Bunsey manuscript states that Emma Schmidt, known as Mary X, met Risinger in New York when Emma Schmidt was 16, around 1898. An article in the Des Moines Register from 23, oh, from September 23rd, See, they they did it all backwards here. Stated that relatives living near here are thought to have prevailed upon the Reverend Joseph, was it Steiger? Steiger, yeah. So Joseph's the pastor of St. Joseph's Church to bring the women to Erling from an eastern city for the ritual, which suggests that Emma Schmidt was from the U.S. East Coast and not Wisconsin. So Joseph Steiger... Well, I obviously just explain who he was. He is, mm-hmm. he is the um, so Father Rise. This is where some 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 BS comes into this. So later on, when all these details come out, there's a book about this possession, obviously, because you know they always write books about this stuff. They have books, and then they get turned into movies, yeah. and, and you know the deal. Um, Joseph Steiger, we know more about him. Because he wasn't, he was there during the possession, like the exorcisms. Is that like when you watch it, like in a movie? He wasn't in the room. There's the person doing it, but then they always have like a he was like not a in the second room. person. He was not in the room. Oh, he was not in the room, but Father Risinger told him everything that happened, and Joseph Steiger turned it into a book and essentially kind of took the credit for taking care of Anna Eklund's demons. But he didn't do anything. But he did not do anything. So that's why we know more about Joseph Steiger instead of Father Risinger. But Father Risinger is, is the, the one, one who, who actually, actually was did it, everything. He, he did everything. He, he did the damn thing. He said, I need an old priest and a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. I'm sorry. You said the power of Christ compels you. And the only thing that came to my mind is does it, Jay? 
I'm so sorry, but that movie, he said, I oh, love do, it. Oh, does it, Jay? Does the power of Christ compel me, Jay? He said, well, it's not that compelling. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, sorry. My that, God. Is, that is by far it, the it, best scene in that entire If you don't know movie. what we're talking about, that is the, uh, this is the end with Seth Rogen and James Franco. Jonah Hill gets possessed. That's, that's, oh my God. It cuts to a whole scene of the exorcism of Jonah Hill. But anyways, let's get back, let's get back on topic. So we just, I'm so sorry. We just got done talking about Joseph Steiger. Yes. Taking credit. Yeah. So the man who really did. So this, this suggests that Emma Schmidt, you know, was from the East coast and not Wisconsin. So like I said, there's another conflicting report. So he like changed the whole like story. So now he can't even get his facts straight. So now we are going to get into the possession part of it. So I guess you could say this is just like a, a trigger warning light. Because, I mean, it doesn't really go into crazy detail here because there's not a whole lot of real true factual detail in this. But honestly, it's it's really nothing different than any other, like, exorcism. Just think of an exorcist movie that you've seen on This is essentially movie. what, this is what was she was reported and to go through. I'm just going to tell you what you've probably already seen from one of the movies. So, she It's, rep- a, it's spooky, though. That's the trigger warning. Yes. And keep in mind. I don't know this story. Zach thinks I may have, but I'm not 100% sure. So, she reportedly began exhibiting signs of possession during her adolescence, demonstrating revulsion of holy objects, disturbed thoughts, and inability to enter churches. Eklund also began to take part in unspeakable sexual acts. Don't even ask because I don't know what that means. Oh, I wasn't going to. I'm not going to ask. According to an account published in 1935, the believed source of Eklund's possession was her Aunt Mina, a reputed local witch who placed spells on herbs for food she prepared. Mina was purportedly also a lover of Eklund's father. Okay, so let's dig in a little bit here. So that's like Eklund's mom's sister, and she loves her dad? That has been reported. There is also a report that it was her dad's sister. Oh, so we got some incest we going on with in- the brother and sister. Oh, okay. some, some weirdy stuff going on. Well, hey, on that there. was back in the day. They didn't care it, back then. I know, but still. So let's get into it. So revulsion of holy objects. Obviously, don't want to touch crosses. Don't mess with holy water, all that kind of stuff. Disturbed I mean, yeah, thoughts. I mean, disturbed thoughts is self-explanatory. That's Inability like to enter churches. Right? So she could not, literally physically could not enter a church. That's what was reported. What is this? Toby from The Office when he tries to go into the church and he's like, why you got to be so mean to me? I I feel like it was way more demonic than that. But sure. She tries to enter and it's like an invisible force trying to push her out or something. It could be the remember that scene in Exorcism Emily Rose where she's like in the church and she's all like contorted backwards because she's trying to reach for the. She's trying to reach for the cross thing. And whatever. Yeah. Whatever's in her won't let her. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, and it like throws her on the floor. Yes. And then like her boyfriend or whatever goes in there. So now here's the, here's a little bit of detail about Father Risinger. So, I mean, this is this is about it it's a it's about all anyone knows essentially because you know Joseph Steiger wrote the book and he obviously didn't tell the guy's life story. So Well, then why can't we just the story that we're telling is not from Steiger's point of view this because is, he was not Steiger, there. Steiger's point of view is all we got about this case. That's why there's a whole but ton he of was conflict. Not there, so technically, this would be Reisinger's point of view, isn't it? Because I mean, this is he saw it legitimately. Yes, but what I'm saying is, is it is Reisinger's point of view, but Steiger's the one who wrote it, so we cannot confirm if all of the details he is writing in this story is factual. Because, it, I mean, it's been proven throughout the years that a lot of paranormal, you know, it, a lot of paranormal stories have 
a lot of exaggeration going on in them just to get it's essentially like you know, uh like to get views on things or you know it, there's a lot of not true things they gotta make them entertaining that's how they get exactly. the likes and the attention so on june 18th 1912 eckland so we're gonna start and this is when the, it's eckland schmidt emma anna whatever <laughs> she's the woman with multiple What's names her face the woman with many names she with all names Eklund went underwent an exorcism by Father Theopho- Theophilus Reisinger, a Capuchin priest originally from from Bavaria, Germany, and trusted by Bishop Thomas Dunn of Des Moines, Iowa. Reisinger had been a monk at the community of St. Anthony's in Marathon, Wisconsin. Little was documented concerning this initial exorcism however Eklund was not consulted for over two decades after the 1912 exorcism damn they left her alone for 20 years so hold on let me let me think of how I want to word this the reason why she was not consulted for over two decades is because the first exorcism after it, you know, the, you've, you've read the, you, and you've seen the stories about possessions where like suspend all disbelief. And let's say, I mean, we believe in this stuff. So let's say this I is, believe in it to a certain extent. Let's say this is actually real. There's a thing about demons being, you know, manipulators and you know, obviously they're evil and mm-hmm. they're obviously capable of tricking anyone. So the theory, the, the, thing with this one is she was not consulted again for over two decades because after the first exorcism it was reported that she was cured the demon lied that's 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 the thing so in the summer of 1928 risinger was again consulted to perform a second exorcism on eckland father joseph steiger so this guy father joseph steiger of erling iowa a friend of risinger suggested the exorcism be undertaken at a convent owned by the Franciscan Sisters in Erling. Eklund was taken to the convent on August 17, 1928, and reportedly exhibited numerous symptoms, including, here we go again, falling into fits of rage over food that had been sprinkled with holy water. So I'm going to tell you a little thing about that one real quick. That sounds like it would be incredibly funny to see. (laughs) The holy water thing? Yeah, like you, you know just something, see somebody you, like you, sprinkling water and you're just like, hey. You want to know something that's crazy about that though? Though I'm about to tell you, it's going to kind of creep you a little bit. Make, I mean, we believe in this stuff, but it's going to make you a little bit more of a believer. Don't give me anything that's going to give me nightmares. It has been confirmed by this, the, in this case, it's been confirmed that they did a test with her to see. So they sprinkled her food with holy water and she wouldn't eat it, right? Yeah. And then they obviously they didn't do that in front of her. Well, yeah. And they would, and you can't tell which water's what. You know, it's just look, it, it's food. You know, it just looks like water. Yeah. And they did a test. You know, obviously they have to test to see if it's mental illness or if it's true demonic possession. A couple times they sprinkled just regular tap water over her food, and she knew the difference. Like with the tap water, she would she would eat the food. But if it had holy water, don't even bring it near her. She would know before it even, like when it came in the room, she would know. But they look exactly the same. Exactly. And she knew the difference. Like they don't smell any no. different or anything. She knew the literally difference. literally what makes water holy water is It's blessed water. Words. It's blessed water. But she knew the difference. She would also hiss like a cat. I'm sorry. I just picture a girl like. There's another detail in here. <laughs> That I kind of left out. Did she do anything else? She, I, um, the scariest part of this is. Or is that like later? No, the scare, the scariest sound I think she would make that had been reported and I left it out because it's not confirmed to be true. Uh, is I guess she would in her room at night cause she's at this convent, you know, so she's like guarded by God essentially. And she must just be having a heyday. She would, the nuns reported, just a report, not confirmed, that she would laugh like a hyena at night. 
like all night long. Isn't that like really high pitched? Yeah, and it's really creepy. And I'm not gonna play the sound for you because we're I'll play it. We're sitting in the dark. We're sitting in the dark, and it's gonna put an image in your head, and it's gonna spook you. I'll play it. She reportedly laughed like a hyena all the time, and it like it literally scared the nuns, and they had they like left. They had to switch out. You know what I mean? So I would just turn all the lights on. I mean, lights ain't gonna stop a demon. So with the help of the Franciscan sisters of the convent, the exorcism began on August 18th. The exorcism was reportedly violent, with Eklund levitating. Wow, doesn't that just sound so convenient? Yeah, I mean, she would howl, and she liked to hang from the frame of the doorway. I mean, you, you. We make jokes about it now, but imagine. Oh, being I'm not there. making jokes. Imagine being there and seeing that. I'd... The first session lasted until August 26th. So the first, the second, first exorcism, if that makes any sense, was from August 18th to the 26th. And obviously, they didn't do it as the, all those days just straight with no breaks. They did it during the day and then obviously slept at night. A second session occurred between September 13th and September 20th, followed by an eight-day session that lasted from December 15th to December 23rd, 1928. So they were each like a week. Yes. So this is when this case reminds... this, This case brings out the similarities of the Annalise Michelle story. Because now we get into what the supposed demons did to her body. Not just what they made her do, but what happened to her as a human being. So, the extensive exorcism resulted in deterioration of Eklund's body as she refused to consume food. Also vomiting foul debris and what appeared to be tobacco leaves. Yeah, apparently she would like throw up tobacco leaves. Did she eat tobacco no. leaves? No. The only thing she would ever, the only thing that she reported that the demon, once again reported, not confirmed, allegedly, is the only thing the demons would let her eat was like a teaspoon of milk or water. That's it. Like they would not let her eat food. So she probably lost like a shit ton of weight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, her head lips and face reportedly swelled and she also was able to speak in multiple languages unknown to her yes so obviously you know the first thing that comes to mind is latin yeah it's always latin it's always why a, that's just because that's just what you know everybody back in those times spoke and then don't they speak like a hebrew and stuff like that like it's like a very demony most of the possession cases, it's Latin. It's just, it, I'm thinking about like when you watch the movies and it's like Latin you the hear movies. them talk, it just, it sounds so aggressive. It's, it's Latin in the movies. And but they usually like say like a whole bunch of like demon names and then like the last one is like they say their own name. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that exorcisms, it's not just possession of one demon it can I mean, be multiples it, could, it, it just depends on what's going on essentially That's crazy how vulnerable you are but i know the whole so mul- if you're more susceptible to it could open up a door for multiple demons that's crazy but with the multiple language things i know it was reported that uh like when risinger would pray yeah. to her in latin she would obviously react to it but remember she didn't know how to speak latin like the Anna, so Anna Eklund, she shouldn't, she shouldn't have understood. It. But then when he would stop praying and he would just kind of have like a conversation with her in Latin or with this demon in Latin, she was speaking like fluent Latin back. And she should not have been able to do that. Hmm. That's very interesting. So the exorcism was reportedly so grueling and Eklund's behavior so violent that several nuns and the Francesian order asked to be relocated to a different convent. Eklund was believed to be possessed by Judas Iscariot. Did I say that right? Yes. As well as Jacob, her own father, who had cursed her with the help of his lover, 
her Aunt Mina for refusing his incestuous, incestuous, I'm trying to work on not saying things wrong, uh, sexual advances during her adolescence. During the exorcisms, Eklund also spoke in a high falsetto voice, which Reisinger interpreted as the voice of her Aunt Mina. So, so what's going on with this thing? So, so they are brother and sister. What do you mean? The her dad and the aunt Mina. Well, why do you say that? Well, because it says incestuous sexual advances. No, because she's saying that because she's accusing her own father of trying to do that with her. Oh, that's not the aunt. That's her. Okay. Okay. So she's reportedly so possessed. So she's saying that her own father tried to make advances towards her. Yes. And and she's you. reporting that she's possessed by her father, her evil Aunt Mina, apparently, and Judas Iscariot. And Judas, I mean, you've heard the name. I know the Judas Priest. <laughs> breaking the law. Breaking the law. But anyway, um, Judas in the Bible, is the person who betrayed Jesus uh, and was the like pretty much the main player. I feel in like I'm going to get slandered for not the, knowing that. The main player in the crucifixion. like Pretty much Judas is the reason why Jesus was crucified. So Judas was sent to hell. On December 23rd, the final day of the exorcism, Father Reisinger commanded the demons in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just, you know, just like everything, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary to depart to hell. Eklund collapsed on her bed and began to shriek, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, followed by hell, hell, hell. She opened her eyes and spoke in her own voice, saying, My Jesus, mercy, praise be Jesus Christ. Reisinger's exorcism was reportedly successful, and Eklund only exhibited milder and quite manageable possessions after that. And once So she still had possessions y- yes, after this? Yes. Oh my God, they should just lock this girl up in, like, a church. Yes. Just... So she can just not be touched. And once again, her true identity was kept protected from the public in all written accounts. Because, I mean, you wouldn't really want your name just being blasted out there because people are going to think you're crazy. All right. So Anna Eklund died on July 23rd, 1941 at the age of 59. And that's why did I think that she was like in her 80s? That's the death date that I believe in. That's mighty young. That's what, that's the death. I believe that her name is, I don't think, I don't know what I, honestly, okay, let me rephrase. I don't know exactly what I believe, but I believe that this is the actual death date. That's just my opinion. Okay. So in 2016, a fictionalized British published film entitled The Exorcism of Anna Eklund was released, documenting her possession and exorcism. Once again, it got really bad reviews. So Never seen it. Can't make a judgment. Um, was it Carl Vogel? A... What? How do you say that? Theo, theologian. Theologian wrote an account of the possession in German titled, was it Begony? Be Gone. Be go- Just kill me now. Be Gone, Satan, in 1935, using the, was it pseudonym? Pseudonym. Pseudonym. Anna Eklund. According to Francis Young, a theology scholar, elements of the account published by Vogel, were repeated in a written account of Robbie Mayhem in Mount Rainier, Maryland, in 1949 by Jusit Priest. Jesuit. Jesuit. I like how I said I was going to work on not saying things wrong, <laughs> and I've said, like, at least five or six things and wrong. And it's, it's the last part of the story, like... Exactly. You saved it all for the last part. I did. You're welcome, everybody. 
Young views the publication of the Eklund case as integral in exemplifying the American exorcism. In February 1936, the 1928 exorcism was profiled in Time magazine. The end. Whoop, whoop. That is just like a, not a brief synopsis of the story of Anna Eklund, but a bit of a spooky tale without going into like extreme deep dive down the rabbit hole. You know, just like a not fun story, but just kind of something to listen to and then get that imagery going. Because that's that's how I every time I listen to any podcast about anything, I think of the imagery of it. Well, there's definitely some images in there that spooky. I don't like. I mean, any possession story is scary. Well, the our very first episode that we did on this, you talked about. A little boy the Ammon, the Ammon, Yeah, the Ammons family, yeah. Yeah, that little boy got possessed. Remember, he walked yeah, the walls. Yeah, that's scary, and there was multiple witnesses Backwards to that. at that, not even just front way. Like I said, he, he did a back handspring up against the wall. He climbed up that thing like Spider-Man. Yeah, and caused, was it? Chaos. Were they therapists or CPS workers? I don't remember. It was hospital. They were in the hospital. Wasn't there a CPS Nurses, CPS person, the doctors, all that stuff. Some of them, they quit their jobs yes, because they could not get past what they had saw. Okay, so do you want to go into our last segment for before we leave this wonderfully spooky episode? Are you episode? reading this segment? Yes. Oh, I will okay. gladly read it because it is quite the story. So this is Don't Be a Jerk-O-Lantern. And this is Am I the Asshole? For running away from my boyfriend's proposal and embarrassing him. Just just ponder on that title for one second. You know, before you get into this story, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But as I was reading this note, I was like, what the hell is AITA? (laughs) I was thinking, I was was like, is that a name? Because if it's a name, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Like (laughs) Aida, Aida, I don't know. Okay. Now it makes sense. So yes. if I see that in upcoming notes, I know what that now stands you know. for. Now you know. But I legitimately thought that was a name. I was about to be like, yeah, I don't remember this in our notes. So I think I'm going crazy. My boyfriend brought up the idea of marriage a few. Oh, hold on. Let me restart that because my notes just like jumped on my screen. My boyfriend brought up the idea of marriage a few months ago, and I gave him the all-clear to a proposal. He also joked he wanted to do it in a public place, and I rejected the idea. I hate being the center of attention and told him I wanted it private. He brushed me off, saying I was too serious and didn't really mention it again until last weekend. We went to New York to visit some friends, and the night before we were supposed to go back, we went to a fancy steakhouse in Manhattan to eat. You can see where this is going. Oh, I can definitely see where this is going. In the middle of dinner in a packed restaurant, in front of our friends, he pulled out a ring and proposed. I was pissed because it's like a nightmare scene for me. Everyone was staring and cheering and my friends popped out their phones and were filming. I grabbed my bag and run out of the restaurant and headed for the hotel immediately. I was fuming because he knows I don't even PD... I don't even... I don't like even PDA, and I explicitly told, you know, PDA, what does that mean? Public displays of affection. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I explicitly told him I wanted a private proposal. I get back to the hotel and get ready for bed. And this girl is not playing around. She doesn't even want to, like, wait up for him oh, to know. get back to the hotel. She's going to go to sleep he like does, none of that ever happened? He doesn't show up, and the next day meets me at the airport for flight. And berates me for the next two hours. That's how long the flight was. For embarrassing him publicly and not even bothering to reject him. I point out I said no to a public proposal and he claims not to remember. But then says I was being selfish by not accepting the proposal. uh, Because he went through the effort to get a ring and arrange the proposal with the restaurant. I'm sure he remembers and is just pretending to guilt trip me. 
According to him, I was ungrateful for not being appreciative of his effort, and he and he is right. I'm not appreciative <laughs> that he did the exact thing I told him I didn't want. We are not talking to each other, and I've been sleeping in the other bedroom. Am I the asshole? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you think she's the asshole in this? I mean, I could go. I could go two different ways here. So, I mean, when you proposed to me, that was very private. You know, that was just us. We didn't go to a restaurant or anything like that. But that's just not how I am. I don't like being the center of attention either. But I feel like there was a different way that she could have handled. Yes that situation and it a didn't have very to result different in way grabbing her bag and, and just running running out, out of, the, of restaurant. the restaurant like and I f- then to even even still to this day you're not talking and you're sleeping in separate you're rooms sleeping in another room the relationship is done you might as well just move there's out, no darling. honestly you're just roommates at this at, point. at that point yeah you're their relationship like you root you single-handedly ruined your relationship well she's not gonna take blame for that she's no. gonna say that well she tried yeah she's gaslighting him in that by saying that she's like, i told you i didn't want a public and she's proposal. a she's gaslighting him by saying well i know you remember this and i know you know you did this and this and no, he obviously forgot or he just think, didn't think it was that big a deal. But she is definitely the asshole in this because if she really did not want a public proposal, she should have got. I mean, when you're about to get proposed to, you kind of get that feeling like it's going to happen. I mean, like yeah, hours I mean, I before. Well, no. Well, a little bit. I had I had some suspicions because, see, you got off of work and we only at that point lived like two minutes down the road from where we worked. But it took you hours to get okay, home. Okay, but what I'm day. saying is <laughs> they go to a fancy steakhouse. All she, Why else would you go? Especially okay. when you go with friends? All she would have had to do, okay, and th- she would still be an asshole. But it would have prevented this whole situation is if she truly did not want a public proposal because it sounds to me like she just doesn't want to marry this guy. Yeah. If she did not want a public proposal, she should have straight up told him before they went to the steakhouse. Like, look, do not planning on proposing. Do not. Don't. Or it's it's done. And I guarantee you that whole night would have went differently. Why didn't she just do what Pam did when Jim said, well, I'm proposing. And she said, if you propose to me during a Michael meeting, I will say no. <laughs> exactly. She said, I'm proposing for you to get me a cup of coffee. Okay. Why didn't she just do that? Just be like, now is not the time. Yes. Is so that really are we in- that hard yeah. to do? <laughs> Are we in agreement that the relationship is done? Oh, yeah. That relationship she is, is done fine. She is over. Yeah, 100% the asshole. It is over, and she done killed it. Like, done. But, yes, she is definitely the asshole. Okay. 100% for sure. So, guess what? That was episode 13. Ba-boom. It's done. It's and over. And guess what? We're only an hour and nine minutes in. Oh my god! It's not like Jeff Dahmer, where it's two almost two and a half hours, and we're, we're like looking at the time clock, and, and we're, we're like, over oh god, here we're like dying, reading this the deepest of deep dives you can go into a human I being. I think the rest of this month should be like short episodes. This, like is, this is not this, a, is. this is not a short episode. You're gonna cut some of this out, so it'll probably. Anyways, be like an hour. before we go, remember. Bottom of the show notes. I'm just going to say this first to get it out of the way. Bottom of the show notes, there's the support this podcast link. If you want to give us a couple bucks, whatever, it's 100% up to you. We are forever grateful. We are eternally grateful if you choose to do so. Uh, Please leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Our username is... I tweaked it a little bit. Is actually into the strange podcast now. It's 
the full word podcast. Wasn't it just pod? Yes. So now on TikTok and Instagram, it is Into the Strange Podcast. Uh, anything, anything. Oh, send us any emails or DMs. On a topic that we have not discussed. If that you maybe would like you to, or, to if, or if you want to put your two cents into this wonderful Don't Be a jerk lantern segment. Or if you find one send that it you to think us, is please. awesome and you think we should read it, anything, send it to us and for we'll jer- add it. For, for Don't Be a jerk lantern or Bone to be Wild, because these are segments that are going to stay. I actually want to work on some sort of like, maybe like a voice effect. Ooh, that would be really good. So we can maybe just we like can announce it. That. So we can announce the each segment instead of just saying, this is what we're doing now. But anyways, like I said, if you want to support us, shoot us a couple bucks. It's fully up to you. The main way to support us is definitely subscribe and leave a, a rating and review on whatever platform. Leave us a review. Five stars only. Yes, five stars only. Not accepting anything lower than five. Five stars only. Just we kidding. need to get this show to four million reviews by the end of next week. No, that's far too many. But if you do, by any chance, leave us a review, please be prepared to hear your name. We are going to Because I reviews, want to give shout-outs. Ratings we cannot I, see. I do not know who is doing them because the ratings only show the number of stars. It yes. does not tell but us who once again, we are eternally grateful for those two. Yes. Like I said, follow our because social media. Are both five stars. Follow our social media. Pumpkin is being a menace. <laughs> we don't have any other announcements to make. Have a good night and we'll see you guys next week.